and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the Thunder's first pair of games since SGA's injury, the emergence of Trey Mann during that stint, and I'm also going to be talking about two other rookies from the class, Josh Giddy and his selection to the Rising Stars game, and I also want to talk about Jeremiah Robinson Earl's recent injury, how long he's projected to be out, and who should fill his minutes in that time. And to top it all off, guys, I'm going to be giving a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But guys, before we head into all this, trade deadline time is approaching. We are currently inside a week uh, from the special day, so a lot of news will be coming should mean a ramp up in production on my side. I know I've been trying to do it once every two, three days. I was doing daily all last season. So for this week, high stakes, lots of movement will be occurring. So should be tackling that on a more consistent basis. Uh, but yeah, going into what we have seen from the Thunder in these last two games. First game played against the Portland Trailblazers. This was a fun one. So you look at who was out there. You don't have SGA, so what do you do in the starting lineup? You end up slotting in Trey Mann and Josh Giddy. Three out of the five actually were rookies because you did have Aaron Wiggins as well there. But when you look at the opposition, they are still rocking and rolling. Now, there was no Damian Lillard. CJ McCollum was the star here, but you still got Yusuf Nurkic. When you look at the Thunder, they don't really have that solidified center yet, even if they did roll out Derek Favors in that starting units but you get things going and it was not going Oklahoma City's way really whatsoever now you look at the first half clean sweep for the Portland Trailblazers they get up by six a couple minutes into this game and then the Thunder claw back mid first quarter it's a tie then it just goes to shreds major run from Portland put them up 18 points middle of the second quarter and they rode into halftime still with that lead now when you break down the numbers the thunder actually did a pretty good job closing out this first half seeing them up 18 with about six or so uh, minutes they were able to get on that mini run sliced it down to single digits leading into halftime and it opened the door for a potential comeback here and what we've seen with this thunder group you know, when you're down 15 plus points, 20 plus, somehow that's the best environment for them. I don't know if it's because people let off that gas pedal or what it may be, but that's when they get in their stride. They are not a team that strikes you early. They go in for the closing rounds and that's where they try to get you. So you get in only down single digits. That's a pretty decent spot to be in when Portland is out of their best player in Damian Lillard. Now, that's no slight against CJ McCollum, who is an absolute monster, but makes it a bit easier on you, um, especially, like I said, with no Dame there. So they get things going in that third quarter, and they take the lead. The continuous fight and struggle puts them up four going into the final frame, and this is where... The Thunder made their money's worth. They closed this game out on an insane hot streak, 33-20 to to outscore them. They put this one away. And this wasn't a, 
a slim margin lead. You know, this was a sizable victory for the Thunder. They took this one 98 to 81. Could have been a season low, really, uh, in points allowed. Portland just could not find the bottom of the basket. They ended up shooting just 42% here and went 7 of 38 from downtown. So that's 18.4%. That's got to be their best. Uh, and on the flip side, OKC, not much better. However, they did get to the line, made 16 of 17 foul shots, and they ended up closing this one out on an insane streak. I believe it was 74 to 39 on that closing run, and a lot of it came from their rookie talent. And before I go into that, I want to mention what we saw on the Portland side. This was just a lot of running and gunning, trying to get those transition threes, the spot up threes. Almost 50% of their shots came from downtown. And it was one of those cases of just no one being able to find the hot hand. You saw people shoot eight three-pointers, five three-pointers. Anthony Simon shot a baker's dozen. Like a lot of these shots were coming from distance. And because they couldn't click, and they weren't looking at the inside game. You just got to keep praying that it's going to find the bottom of the rim. And it never did for them. And they didn't have that third source of getting to the charity stripe like what the Thunder had. They went 6 of 8 from the foul line. That's going to be a plus 10 margin for OKC. And to top it all off, they couldn't get assists going either. Only had 18 to their name. But as expected, you got CJ McCollum on your team. It's going to put you in a pretty sweet spot. He went 10 of 17 in the game, 21 points and 7 assists, 1 of 6 from downtown though. And then Norman Powell, 6 of 15, got them 17 points. Yusuf Nurkic too. Didn't get a double-double. I was surprised about that. Looking at it, I thought that they probably had the edge. He went for 14 and 9. The big one though, Anthony Simons plays 34 minutes, shoots 3 of 16, 2 of 12 from distance, and only has eight points. So he really dug them in a gigantic hole, and not even CJ could pull them out of it. And you had those Thunder rookies just pelting points on them, and that put them in the driver's seat for this game. But you look at the best player, point-wise, it was Lou Dort, 6 of 16, 2 of 8 from downtown, 4 of 4 from the line, just going inside, attacking. The three ball was not there really at all for him, but Hell, when you got the Trailblazers shooting 18%, 2 of 8 might not be that bad. I think the best player from the game, though, happened to be Josh Giddy. He posts a 14.12 rebound double-double, ended up with 4 assists as well in his 32 minutes. And this was an interesting one. In the last podcast, I talked about who's going to take the torch from SGA. Giddy was the first name. I think that's the obvious one. Lou Dort kind of has that starter who might get more touches and then Trey Mann, Ma uh, Maladone, and Jerome, just so on and so forth there with the guards. But Giddy was the main one. And you're looking at Giddy's passing ability. You're looking at what he's been posting. You're thinking he's going to be going for seven, eight assists if he's going to be your number one option as a passer. Only puts up four assists, but it did not matter here when he had the ball in his hands he was making extremely smart decisions against the blazers and when you saw high ball screens you saw points did an excellent job being able to dump off and also get inside i think all five of his makes actually came right around the basket off those push shots and just the easy flip shots from two three feet back so that's where he was at his best the three ball has 
been starting to develop for him. He went 0 of 2 here, but he didn't need he didn't need to go there. You know, if you're looking to close out the game, just find the high percentage looks. Simons could not do it. McCollum could not do it. He was a problem matchup wise earlier in the week. And to top it all off, Simons, that was his main assignment going three of 16. Um, so yeah, passes with flying colors in my eyes. And Trey Mann did one hell of a job too. Now he played for 24 minutes as a starter, starter caliber minutes, probably not, but kind of just getting him back into the motions. He started in the Pacers game where SGA got hurt, but you know, his job was playing behind SGA with him gone. He is looking to shoot at will. Ended up taking 10 shots here, found it on four attempts, and he had six of those shots come from distance. Just a microwave play for him uh, is always going to be that big factor. Only one assist here, but the ability to break free off of those step backs, off of those between the legs, make him so damn lethal. He was able to get into double figures in the game with 13 points, hit all three of his foul shots, so... You know, you want to see more passing. No big deal, though. We know he is a scorer first, passer second. Does exactly that. Lives up to the mantra. And for Darius Baisley, he lived up to the mantra of being a monster off of the bench. As a starter, Baisley is a different player almost. Statistically, he's a different player. Now, we kind of know how he likes to play. He's more of just that slasher type who... He's going to get sagged off on when he's at the wing, at the corner. Ends up taking a lot of those three balls. In this game, he was really good from downtown. Three of four from deep. And when you're getting on that kind of run, you're going to be able to tap inside a little bit easier. So he finished this game with 15 points and five rebounds and went five of seven in this game. Just the versatility um, is what separates him from the pack and... It's it's a hard call on what you look at him as a long-term piece because he's so hot and cold, because he can be so inconsistent for you. I don't know if you want to play him as a starter on a playoff team, but could he be a valuable role player, a valuable six-man caliber? It's still up in the air because he keeps posting these performances uh, where you're wowed, and then he'll tank a bit, but he settled a lot more with this second unit where you're going to be filtered in with SGA and guys like Lou all the time, but you're going to also have those breaks where you have a guy like Ty Jerome, who's not necessarily looking to drive inside every time. He'll be looking to spread it out, spread the floor, and Darius Baisley reaps the rewards of that on a consistent basis. So I thought that was really good play for him, one of his better games uh, in the calendar year, but there's still another game that happens in this latest patch ended up going to face the Dallas Mavericks in Dallas. This is in the midst of this nice little storm we got here. Not that bad for me in terms of inches. It's starting to melt off actually, but in Dallas, that's when they got hit. So you didn't see much fan activity in the crowd. Saw some of the kiss cams and all that stuff. So they had enough people to fill that out, but not that many people in each section. You know, you kind of had your privacy uh, in this one, but you go out there and you got Luka Doncic faced right in front of you. This is not like last game where you got Damian Lillard in action. Nope, you got Doncic. The one nice pass is that you did not have to deal with a seven foot three Kristaps Porzingis, but you still got some other contributors 
for them. So just like the last game, had to put in Trey Mann as a starter. Josh Giddy was there too. Mamadi Diakite was the interesting call. He got his first start of the season over Derek Favors, and he was matched up against another athletic big in Dwight Powell. So you kick the game off. It's kind of just a back and forth. Luka was starting to just hit, but OKC was still up through one. They were up 30 to 28. And on the second quarter, just kind of a role reversal. Not as many shots were going in, but they were able to tie things up. It was 51 all going into that second half. And the big problem was Luka Doncic. He was really feeling it the entire night. Um, But yeah, first half play, that was the big story that I think you took out of this. On the other side though, Trey Mann was quietly going off. I think he had 14 points by that halftime horn. So he was almost like the solidified number one option going into the third and fourth quarter. And for OKC, they were able to stick together as one in that third. A high scoring quarter, just like quarter number one. Dallas just could not keep up with it. Outscored them 34 to 25 in the frame. And you still had Trey Mann on fire. He had 11 points in the third alone. So he was already tacking on a career high. His previous was 19 points. At the end of this, he already had 25 points. So we beat every single rookie in the class or on the Thunders rookie class was scoring because Wiggins had 24 and Giddy was just a shade or two below that. So yeah, he was in his groove. Three of three from downtown, one of which came off of this insane step back three on the corner. Had Luka Doncic on an island, put the step back on, and Luka didn't even care about contesting. He just stood there like in shame, saw the three go in. Mavericks bench was quietly pretty damn hyped about it. Um, You know, those reactions where they got to tug you down. Wasn't to that point, but you could see off the expressions. They were, they were really uh, impressed to see Trey Mann pull that off, and it gave them some momentum riding into the sunsets of the fourth quarter. But you know, you can't get too settled down here when you have Luka Doncic faced up against you, and they started to attack. Luka, he was feeling it in the early parts of the fourth quarter. Biggest surprise, though, and it's not even a surprise because this guy is always an all star player against the Thunder. But how about Jalen Brunson? Brunson was the guy who you wanted the ball um, with in the stretch. In the final two minutes, yeah, Jalen Brunson was the star. It didn't matter if you triple team the man, he's going to hit it in your face. A lot of it was coming off mid-ranges for him, but he was just lasering them down. There was nothing the Thunder could truthfully do about that, and they got in the driver's seat to actually take this game. They were up two points with about 20 seconds to go in the final frame, Had to call a timeout to advance the ball with Dagnall here. And like always, you put the ball in Josh Giddey's hands. And this was actually a 7.5. But, you know, it's clutch time. You have one possession here. Josh Giddey gets it in from the sideline. You have Kenrich Williams kind of hanging around the block area. And then he just makes a hard cut inside. You have all the other three members at the perimeter. And on that island... Just a zip pass straight to him, flip shot, good to go. This was like the most painless game tire I've ever witnessed. Josh Giddy makes it look so easy on these inbound passes, and he kept them alive, tied it at 103 all, 
And on the final shot, Luka Doncic looked like the playoff game against the Clippers in the bubble. Step back three, 28 feet deep. Lou Dort called his number, no good, and he went into overtime. For the Thunder, 0-1 in overtime, looking to get that first tick here. And they started out extremely strong. You had Kenrich Williams get a dunk early, and then it was the Lou Dort show. Downs a three, downs two free throws. Another driving layup goes on for him. He ended up tallying the Thunder's 14 out of 18 points, or excuse me, 17 points in overtime. 14. That's the most, I believe, second most in franchise history for the Thunder. And when you look at other guys around the league, you're not going to get that production. So Lou Dort goes from quietly being really damn efficient to being unstoppable in the final five. And Luka Doncic couldn't step up to that. Started to see him and Bronson kind of emerge. But it didn't matter. With the final minute, you know, final 30 going in, OKC already had a seven-point lead. Mavericks didn't have enough time. And the Thunder end up holding them off 120 to 114. Get on a much-needed win streak uh, going into their next game. And I want to piggyback off of this a little bit more with some of the numbers, in particular Trey Mann. But first... I want to give you guys a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. That's just $5 and get $280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. And new customers can get a free shot at $1 million for the top prize with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. If you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN Red Line. That's 1-800-889-9789 in Connecticut. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467369. But moving on to the game stats, Luka had a 40-piece in this game. And Jalen Brunson, like always, playing like a damn all-star, he's able to get a 20-piece here on pretty damn high efficiency. 10 of 18 gets him 25 uh, 25 and 4 for points, rebounds, and assists. And then off the bench, Reggie Bullock 
went 5 of 13 from distance. That was able to notch him 23 points with all things tallied up. That's not the big deal here. Ludort and Trey Mann turned up when needed. When you're talking the first three quarters, it was the Trey Mann show. Nobody could lock him down. And this is one of those things where you're kind of just waiting. It was always just a ticking time bomb almost to Trey Mann on when he would pop off, have this outburst, and overtake Aaron Wiggins for this little rookie deal because we know he's the best scorer from this Thunder quartet of rookies. When you break it down to all the draftees from last draft class, I don't think you can really put a grade on it yet, but the way he handles the basketball, the way all his threes, doesn't matter if he's smothered, wide open, it's always going to be right there. You don't see air balls too often. I think he's one of the more consistent shooters at the perimeter. He's been shooting at a 40% clip off this bench. So I'd say he's one of the better ones in terms of being tantalizing and being that shot creator. Sure, let's give him a top five nod because that step back is something special. We've talked about six-man material a lot on this podcast. If Trey Mann is able to be that Jordan Clarkson, be a Frank Jackson type, and he's been a lot more efficient than a Frank Jackson. I'll put it that way. This was one of those main games where you wanted to play him as that number one option. You wanted to put him up against Luka Doncic of all NBA players because there was just a confidence with him in this game. Went 8 of 14 from the floor, 6 of 8 from downtown, and 7 of 8 from the charity stripe. Deadly anywhere you stuck him. And, you know, for this Thunder team, they need three-point shooters desperately. They've been taking swings at it, not just in the draft, getting man and getting Aaron Wiggins late, but even getting a guy like Paul Watson Jr. as a two-way. You know, he's not playing with the Thunder right now. But that kind of gives you some insight. Like they knew going into this year they needed shooters and we're starting to see the issues now. League lowest in three-point percentage. Lou Dort hasn't really panned out from deep. SGA has been a major flop from downtown as well. They need anything they can get. And Trey Mann has been showing that he can be that shooter on the ball or even off the ball. So he earned his stripes here. I think he's in a really good position whenever SGA comes back. Not just based off this game, but the whole entire palette we've seen from him. And, you know, just seeing those step backs, you want to see five extra minutes every time that happens. Will Dagnall do it? Probably not. You want to see more Ty Jerome and potentially Teo, but this was his game easily. And even though that was ridiculous, that actually didn't outshine Lou for points. 30 piece for him on 9 of 17 shooting, 6 of 8, or 6 of 10 from downtown and 14 of those 30 came in OT so he was also just feeling it when he needed to defensively did Luca go insane yeah but at the end of the game that game winner didn't go in Lou Dort opened the door for the Thunder and when that door was open he just broke it down made it his game and Dallas they couldn't even outscore him as a collective in overtime 14 to 11 going in Lou Dort's side he has been a shaky three-point shooter didn't matter this game and a lot of these shots were coming out of a half-court system where it wasn't a catch and shoot specifically in overtime it was all his he wasn't going off these catches he was the primary ball handler and it works now if SGA was here no way Lou Dort 
hits 30 points in this game. I think you're looking at maybe a 18 to 20 piece, just something we're always used to. But a lot of his points, and I'd argue the majority uh, came with him as an on-ball player. So it was refreshing to see him in that setting. Now, we've seen a lot of it where he is going to be penetrating a lot or he will be kind of handling it around uh, the wing, but not in the same way we saw in the recent game against the Mavs. So two major contributors there in Trey and Lou. Can't forget about some of these other guys, though. How about Josh Giddy here? He's able to tally an impressive stat line as well, nearing that triple-double territory. He gets the double-double with 14, 7, and 10. And then you can't forget about Mamadi. First start of the season, battling for a contract. He's on his third 10-day now, and unless somebody is on the hardship list, which I don't know if that's going to happen. That's kind of a risky, risky chance there. He's done. So they have to make a decision after this one. They give him a extended time out there 17 minutes drops 10 rebounds which is a career high for him so something good to write off of four of those 10 also came on the offensive glass but two game win streak looking pretty good there and they play against the portland trailblazers tonight which will be a very fun one but but i want to talk a little bit more on one of the rookies from the draft class mention it in the intro josh giddy and i want to talk about his selection to the rising stars game some of the history behind it and what we are expected to see in this contest who he's going to play with and just the overall formats of this game but they announced it on tuesday josh giddy is going to be in the clorox rising stars game it's kind of one of those things where clorox is an interesting throw in like an interesting sponsor for one of these events but I guess it does work. We'll see if they have like a four-point line, like a bleach line or some some random thing like that. It'd be pretty funny if they did it, but I doubt it. Uh, we'll see. Anyways, he's one of 28 members in this pool. The way that it works, though, they had 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, and four members of the G League Ignite selected to this event. It's going to be held on um, February 18th. Yeah, February 18th. It's going to be four separate teams, so they'll divvy it up. Draft has been held already. It's going to be four teams of seven players. It's first to 75 points, tournament style. Total of three games will be played during the course of this event. But for Josh Giddy, he's the 12th member in franchise history to be selected to the Rising Stars events. And the Thunder Streak has been tacked on to two years of having some rising stars selections last season that's when they're doing the usa versus world format now it wasn't played due to covid but you had two nominees in teo maladone and lou dort prior to that point there was a bit of a dry spell alex abrines and demontis sabonis were there sga too actually came in uh, as a sophomore and was represented so i take it back it has now been tallied up a little bit more, um, but yeah, it's expected Giddy will be out there to play. There have been a few drops in terms of players, all-star games specifically with Draymond. He'll be good to go though, and he's going to be on a very solid team here. He was selected fifth in this draft with all the players added in this pool. I think he was the first or second rookie, so he went over guys like Cade. Uh, Evan Mobley was also here too. 
Team is going to consist of Cole Anthony, Marjan Bochamp, Getty, Jalen Green, Herbert Jones, Tyrese Maxey, and Jalen Suggs. It's a team I got to break down a little bit more, and I'll probably get some rankings in before this event is actually held. It's fun, though. I mean, you get you get two Jalens, both of the guys from the draft class that the Thunder fan base was just raving about. There were a lot of guys on the Jalen Suggs train for me. I think I had him 7th or 8th on my actual big board. With Jalen Green, though, oh, I was all in. And it hasn't worked out that well in Houston as of right now. But this guy is a shot maker when he gets hot. So he'll be electric. I think with a guy like Josh Giddy who can make some insane passes, that's a fun duo. And Jalen Suggs was projected to be the best passer in this draft class, too. So two really good rookie passers. Jalen Green can be that shot maker. How about Cole Anthony as well? And that could be a tandem between Anthony and Suggs. We'll see how they work things out. Um, but it's going to be a small team to where I think Giddy will actually have a heavier load and more responsibilities than guys like Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, maybe even Cole Anthony as well, because they only have Herb Jones as a center. Now he's a legit center, uh, but then there's just that drop off. Marjan is a guard. Cole Anthony's a guard. Green's a guard. Maxie's a guard. Suggs is a guard. Everyone's a guard here, except for Herb Jones. And Josh Giddey's six foot eight. They'll have to play him up. So he'll be a three or a four in this event if he's out there. And we're going to see some very fun matchups. So I don't think I'm going to run through the teams, every single player, but Team Payton's a good one. Scotty Barnes is there. So that matchup will be uh, pretty cool. Jaden McDaniels is, is also there. So LaMelo's kind of the centerpiece. But McDaniels, he's a good shot maker, uh, really from anywhere. So. I would like to see those two square up. We'll see the brackets. Team Isaiah Thomas as well. They have Halliburton and Anthony Edwards. Jaden Hardy's uh, a fun addition too. I really like the way they constructed that roster. They have Isaiah Stort and Precious Achua. So they actually have like a front court solidified. So that could be a problem. Sadiq Bay and Bain too. And then for Team Barry, Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley are together. Just... A full-on rookie infusion here. That's what happened to this team. When you break it down, everyone here except for Isaac Okoro and Jay Sean Tate are rookies. And Sengun is also here. So they wanted to just go extremely big. You have two certified centers. And then Franz Wagner, he can be a two or three for you. Evan Mobley, we already know he can play four or five. Doesn't matter. Sengun's kind of the same. And how about Cade Cunningham too? We didn't get to see them in the summer league format go off at it because Giddy got injured. Um, but this could be the break to determine on how they slice things. So Giddy gets that nod. Obviously deserved from him. One of the top five, six rookies, depending on who you ask in the draft class. Already up to 12 double-doubles this season. And he holds the record for the youngest player to achieve an NBA triple-double at 19 years, 84 days old. So he'll be squaring off in two weeks' time. I'll get you the action on that. As for the other events, nothing for Thunder nominations. Jalen Green is in the dunk contest, though. That will be a very special one to watch. I really like his athletic ability. And then for the All-Star game, Andrew Wiggins is a starter. Um, I guess watch out for that. that. That was a weird call. And Draymond getting selected over DeJounte also doesn't make sense. Draymond dropped out. So you would think DeJounte was the odd man out. If that's not the case, 
there's going to be some definite problems from NBA Twitter. But just to conclude things, I want to talk about the final rookie here. Sorry, Aaron Wiggins, but it's going to be Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And with him, he took a pretty big blow in the last week. Just like SGA, he ended up getting a third metatarsal fracture. That's going to take him out six weeks' time. That's the expected timetable, at least listed by the team. Uh, and that's a big one because Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been the starting center for the majority of the season. 44 games for him, 36 of which being starts. Got to factor in Roby was playing above him to begin the season a little bit there. And then also Derek Favors has gotten nods depending on the lineups you have. But yeah, he's been the main guy, and he's done relatively well. 7.1 points, 5.8 rebounds, 33% from distance on a team that needs that shooting. Kind of that pick-and-pop threat that works with SGA. Is he the greatest at it? Um, I mean, there could be room for improvement, but he's definitely not a bad shooter. And for what you have right now, definitely the best option uh, for a pick-and-pop type of piece. Does everything right too. Pretty damn mature uh, for the way that he plays. And that's going to make it pretty interesting in how they form this roster up. So SGA, already know he's out to the deadline. That's also going to be the same with JRE. That's two starters out. You can patch up JRE a bit easier because you do have Derek Favors and you do have Mike Muscala. But you could go in the direction of looking towards some of the more youthful players. And the first guy on this list would be Isaiah Roby. And Jeremiah didn't play these past two games. He sustained that injury beforehand. Despite it, though, you didn't see any Isaiah Roby reps, which is a bit interesting. If I was the head coach here, if I was Dagnall, I would get Roby up, give him a shot. He's been killing it in the G League, and just see if it works out for him. When you break down the stats this season for um, Isaiah Roby, I mean, he's only played 18 NBA games. Five of those starts, 6.7 points, 3.3 boards, 13.7 minutes. Really efficient and shooting 50% from deep in those reps. Now, got to take it with a grain of salt because he's only shot 22 attempts because of the game's just not being there for him. But even at the G League level, he's been doing a solid job. Able to post a double-double really every any given moment when he slotted at the five. The one thing you got to look at, though, is just breaking down the last sample, which has been the month of January because they are the regular season games now. He's played 10 of them, but his role has changed quite drastically, actually. He's not been that true five every game. DJ Wilson is back. You have other guys like Poku playing as well. So he's been shifted down between the three and five spot just on a cycle almost. And because of it, no double-double here. He's averaging 12.2 points and five boards. Done well, though, with blocks, 1.8 per game. And he shot 65% from the floor. Completely different type of player, though, in the G League. I'll say with Roby. He's not really the pick-and-pop player. He is a slasher. He's able to just get right by centers in the G League. Once you move up to NBA defenders, it changes a little bit, and he really can't be the most trusty option on any given night. I think he can be in the G League. Uh, the one thing, though, is the three-point shot has been 
Completely different in the G, actually. He's shooting 18% from distance, taking a little over two per game. Now, put much validity into it? I don't think so. Like, the stock wouldn't change for me. think he's still going to be shooting low to mid-30s off the catch-and-shoots and be the same player he was last season. Really what JRE is right now, which is set those screens up top, rim run if there's that lane for you, or just step back take that pick and pop shot or sit in the shadows and let SGA do his work. Now SGA is gone, so probably be a guy like Trey Mann or Josh Giddy, for example, but I'd argue Josh Giddy might be a better passer off the high ball screen anyways. Six foot eight, looking right over the defender. Man can make some insane dump off passes. I could see that connection working out. So he'd be my top option. I'd try playing him 20 minutes now while JRE is out and give him that second chance to at least establish himself um, moving forward uh, and if not you look towards a guy who's still fighting for a roster spot in Mamadi Diakite he's played a total of nine games thus far averaged 2.9 points 3.8 rebounds and done so in 12 minutes and he's also done this same thing uh, as Roby where you just set a high ball screen cut inside if it's there it's there if it's not well it's not the three-point shot is not the big factor with Daikite. That's why I give Roby the edge here. But he's a traditional five, and he's fast enough at 228 pounds that it still fits the system that you want. And you already have Ty Jerome there as your secondary option uh, at the point spot. So you get that duo together, and he's able to rebound well enough. Just that bandage uh, that you could keep on for just a little bit longer. Now... The one issue has been fouls. It's been kind of the big issue he's had since going pro. Um, 2.5 fouls per game, for example. Like That would keep him on a pace to foul out 28 minutes into games. That's kind of unacceptable at the five spot. But I do think there's enough there that I'd be intrigued and I'd still want to play him around 10 or so minutes a game. Obviously, depending on what happens to a guy like Derek Favors or Mike Muscala, and talked about it, uh, mentioning the Dallas stats, but Mamadi could be on his way out. I don't think there's going to be a chance at that fourth uh, contract via hardship, so this is it. He has a couple more games left, and then the Thunder should have that ultimatum if there's no one in health and safety protocols. I like him enough to want to make a move, keep him on this roster, but you never know. Uh, If you guys have a different opinion on that, let me know. You guys can hit me up on Twitter at Ben Kreider or at Thunderstick Pod. That's the main pod Twitter. But guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.